2: Red. I came out the wrong line, Lenny. It is in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you play football for this team. The one up above his head, they can't jump with me. Only tackle him in the four-year. Who can make a play? I can Who can make a play? I can <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host, Matt Burning. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We've got a great episode for you guys today, talking about the NFC West. And this episode is brought to you guys by Tix Blitz.
2: Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well look no further, with TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay, and TixFlix just happens to have over six billion dollars in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say, every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar, search events based on your geographic location, Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with Tickflix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's tickflix.com. tisdlit zcom Every ticket, every venue, everywhere.
0: guys remember to check them out there it's just an awesome site i can't talk enough about it again they they give you no booking fees nothing like that the the price you see is what you get you can use our promo code pulse that is capital p-u-l-s-e capital pulse get five percent off any of your tickets guys we appreciate anything you guys can send their way it also helps out the network and me as well and i really appreciate that so without further ado let's get dennis in here and let's talk about the nfc west And as always, we've got our co-host with us today, Mr. Dennis Bennett, on a nice, well, not really nice, it's actually fairly cold here, and I'm sure it's fairly cold up there in Ohio, but talking to me on a combine weekend, today we're going to be talking about the NFC West. Dennis, what is going
1: on? How the hell are you, Matt? It's actually going to be pretty nice up here, it's going to be about 40. What? In a couple days it's going to be five, but right t- today it's going to be about 40.
0: Well, what the hell, man? It's dropped down to, like, freezing down here. It was a little bit, uh, kind of hit us out of nowhere. I know uh, from Ohio, they probably handle all that stuff fairly well. We will, I woke up Thursday morning to, like... I want to say it was 28 degrees, and it was icing all over the roads. And I mean, on my on my way to work, there was a easily 10 accidents because people in Texas don't know how to drive on ice, and they were thinking, "Oh, hey, I can still go like 80 miles an hour over bridges and everything right. and wrecking into everybody." So,
1: yeah, well, live and learn, I guess. Live and learn.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've learned that a long time ago. I'm not I'm not an idiot, but there are a lot of people down here who who don't understand how to drive on ice, but. Yeah, it's just been really cold ever since then. I was hoping it'd warm up. We're supposed to get real bad, I think, next week and then it, it gets it warms back up, which is a little bit ridiculous, but it's all right. It can be as cold as it wants this weekend because it's combine weekend, and I can get to stay inside, and I have a very good excuse to stay inside and watch the combine all weekend.
1: Yeah, we're working. That's right. Exactly. We're working. Exactly.
0: Well, see, I try to tell my wife that, and then she just tells me to F off and, you know. She's like, show,
1: show me the money, she says. Right?
0: Exactly. Well, that's because I hide it from her. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, so, anyways, as I was just talking about, me and Dennis are going to be talking about the NFC West. We are going to get back into our divisional breakdowns here finish up the NFC before we have uh, some interesting stuff going on next week that we'll both talk about here at the end of the podcast. So with the NFC West, we saw the Rams come back out and own this division much like they did the year prior. We saw the Seattle Seahawks start off pretty bad and then actually turn their season around to make the playoffs, only to get pushed out in the first round by the Dallas Cowboys. And we saw the 49ers, who thought they were going to have a promising year, kind of have all their hopes go down their drains yet again with another serious knee injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. And then the Arizona Cardinals were, I think the polite thing to say, is a hot mess everywhere this season. With the Los Angeles Rams, man, I almost called them... Nah, I can't even remember where they were from. St. Louis. I was, I was going to say St. Louis, and then I completely lost that. The obvious big question for both of us, I think, and I would imagine everyone everywhere, is Todd Gurley. Serious knee issues throughout what seemed to last three weeks of the regular season then obviously into the NFL playoffs. How serious do you think his knee injury is, and do you think that he can return to being that fantasy running back 1-1?
1: Or 1.1? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with his knee injury is a lot more serious than we expected. Uh, clearly, they were holding him out and trying to minimize the situation. And it, it looks like it might have been a pain tolerance type of thing. And so they were trying to limit it. But he certainly he's going to need he, he's going to need time to recover. Maybe that's all it's going to take. He, he does have. Uh, I think that's the the knee that he tore up in college. Yes, it is. So, so with that being said, I, I think he'll be fine. It's it's pretty rare that a running back repeats as the RB one. So, will he return to the to the RB one status? I would put my money on no, just because of how rare it is that that happens. And I believe you know my money's on Zeke next year could be Barkley you know Barkley if if that team uh, if the Giants get anything going on the O-line it could really open up for Barkley to to put up rushing numbers to match his receiving numbers um but as far as Gurley I I don't think he'll return to the RB uh 101 but he will be an RB1 uh he's just too good but that all comes down to how serious is his knee injury uh can he get past the point where uh, he needs maintenance in season that requires him to literally uh, get less than 10 touches per game for a few weeks in a row?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm really interested to find out if they release any more information on it. Um, so we obviously heard an interview from C.J. Anderson, I think it was a couple weeks ago now, talking about how Todd Gurley's injury was much more serious than any of us realized. And that's a big deal because he wasn't on any injury reports that I remember him being on there toward the end of the year. They said that he was fine, they were just holding him out, and now all of a sudden he was injured. I'm interested to see if the NFL takes any kind of action there with them, with uh, the Rams possibly withholding injury information because that is a big deal nowadays, especially with all the betting lines and everything. But for fantasy perspective, it worries me a little bit because he's also come out, and I believe there was an article on NFL Network where he talked about he's already kind of worried about the work that he has put on his legs the past couple years, getting over 300 plus 300 plus 50, or 300 plus 50, 350 plus touches a game or a season here that he's going to start kind of wearing down quicker. So the fact that he's come out personally and said that worries me a little bit. It makes me think that he might. Not like I agree with you. Not take a step, a huge step back. He'll still be an RB one because of how talented he is. But I don't see him being the one point one anymore. Because I have a feeling if whether it's C J Anderson, if it's John Kelly, if they draft another running back, I think he's going to start splitting. The carries and some of the receiving work more than we've ever seen before just based on that because I don't think the Rams want to run him into the ground in the next year or two after the deal he just signed. I would imagine they want to keep him around for at least three or four, maybe five more years before they let him go.
1: Well, he's not going to help you if he's on your bench, though. Right. So it, it's great that you want to preserve him and stretch him out, but if if he's having trouble and he can't, he, he can't perform, it, it's he's not really any help you know, NFL contracts are probably the biggest sham uh, in pro sports. So re- regardless of where he sits in this contract situation right now, he'll if they if they need to get rid of him, they're going to be able to get rid of him.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I would say for me it's more of just – I don't think it's going to be something where it's a, a 50-50 split. So I don't mean if that's the way that it came off, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just mean more of like a – I would say probably 80-20 split, but I just don't see him being the main guy anymore. I don't see him being the guy that they give the ball to every single time, and the only time he's over on the bench is because he needs to tie his shoe or get a cup of water really quick, and then he's right back in there. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a – See, and the committee doesn't sound right either because I still think it's going to be like an 80-20 split. I just don't think he's going to be the guy anymore. I don't think it's going to be what we saw with C.J. Anderson because I really feel like that is what you were talking about. It was more just his knee injury because we saw Anderson a lot and it was almost yeah. a 50-50 split with them going down the down the way. I mean, Gurley obviously a lot more uh, receiving work than Anderson, but especially in the rushing area it seemed like a 50-50 split. And I just don't see that happening because you're right. There's nobody else as talented as Todd Gurley except for guys like Barkley and Zeke and CMC, and none of them are coming to the Rams. So I, I'm a, I'm, I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split. I think it's going to be more like 80-20, but I think that right there alone – could possibly regress some of his touchdowns. And then obviously, depending on – I would imagine he'll still stay in as a receiver because he's such a good receiving back. But even if they pull him out of the rushing some a little bit here and there, I think that's going to diminish his value enough that it's not going to get him up to that 1-1. I I would say – For me, very early, obviously, but I've already looked at some rankings and everything. I think I've got him at 5 right now for my RBs, which might be a steal. Someone might love to grab him at at 1.5 or 1.67 if you grab a wide receiver over him in your startup drafts and everything. I know we just did a startup draft, and I think he fell to 3 or 4. I I know he didn't go 1, but I can't remember where he fell to, but I I would imagine he's going to fall a little bit at least this year.
1: I I think he went at 4. Okay. Because I think it went Barkley, Mahomes, because it was Superflex.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about the Superflex part. So with the with no,
1: the... his contract has him so they have an out after 2021. So he's okay. going to be there for three years, uh, at least three years of this contract. After 2021, he would only have 4.2 million in dead cap. So
0: gotcha. So yeah, that might be a good time to move on from him. We'll see. That'll definitely be something interesting, especially if they. Like I said, they continue to run him into the ground. If they let him go after twenty twenty one, that'll be uh, that'll be pretty shocking.
1: Well, if they let if they keep him until twenty twenty one, that's not going to do any good for my John Kelly shares. <laughs>
0: We didn't really have any major coaching changes here. We saw Zach Taylor moved on. Obviously, he is now the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. But in my opinion, that is not that big of a deal. He was just a QB coach. We all know that Sean McVay runs pretty much that entire offense. Uh, but I did just want to touch on him leaving to go to Cincinnati because you know he was touched by the Golden Child and Sean McVay, and, and that's why he became a head coach. We'll see how that works out for him. I'm out of imagine you don't think this is a big deal for the Rams' coaches or anything like that. Their offense?
1: No, I, you know it's a McVay offense. Uh, I, probably the more concerning thing about it is I, I, I get the point where McVay says, "Oh, it was my fault. Gurley didn't get more touches and so on and so forth." Great, take accountability. But it is that tells me then it maybe maybe McVay's not this great coach if he's taking his best player. And uh, not giving him the ball. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I'm that's a little perplexing. Oh, he's a great coach. Oh, but he didn't give his best player the ball. But is he a great coach if he didn't give his best player the ball? So then it comes. Then that takes us full circle back around to maybe they were lying. You know, they brought in their new quarterback coach Zach Robinson. I think he played played at Oklahoma State, and mm-hmm. you know, he had a cup of coffee in the in the NFL. So. It'll be interesting to see if he if they can continue to do to develop Jared Goff. Um, I don't know that Goff is a guy who can carry the team. Uh, I don't think he's proven that yet. Certainly better under McVay than he was under uh, uh, Jeff Fisher. Um, so that'll be something to watch. You know, it's funny. I, you talked about Zach Taylor getting the head coaching gig after being touched by the golden hand of Sean McVay. And uh, if you saw it on Twitter, Matthew Barry posted a picture from the timeline uh, or from the combine uh, with with ta- uh, with Sean McVay <laughs> with a caption of something like, hey, I'm going to post this out here just in case uh, anybody's looking for a coach. I just want to make sure everybody <laughs> knows i I've, I've been with Sean McVeigh.
0: Yeah, that was a. Uh that was a pretty popular thing going around here for a while just based on all the coaches that we saw leave the Rams or that were associated with Sean McVay getting jobs, Matt LaFleur being another one of them that obviously is now the head coach in Green Bay. Um, I Oh, goodness, I agree with you. Sorry about that. Uh, I agree with you for the most part on that. I think I do think Sean McVay is trying to protect Gurley, and I think that is why he's saying what he's saying. I, I I can't imagine that he didn't want to give Gurley the ball. I just think that some of that is ex- is just exactly that. He's just trying to protect Gurley, so he's coming out and falling on the sword kind of deal like a good head coach is supposed to. Um, just based on what I saw for the past two years, he was never afraid to give Gurley the ball. So I really do think it's all just injury-based and, and nothing else. I think he's still a, a great offensive coach. and. And I think he'll be fine moving forward. I think he's he's learned his lesson and how he really did not adjust at all in the Super Bowl to what the Patriots were doing to him. I think he'll be able to bounce back. And, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams are right back in it next year.
1: Well, do you think the lack of adjustment was due to not having Cooper Cup?
0: I do, actually. I think it's a mixture of Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley being hurt. I mean, one thing I know we've actually both talked about on this podcast is And I I would, in all honesty, say a lot of people have probably talked about it. Anybody who's paid that close attention understood, I think that the the offense completely changed once Cooper Cup went out. It just was not the same thing. They took away Jared Goff's kind of dump-off guy. And that put, I think, a lot more pressure on Gurley to be that guy because when you have Cooper Cup coming out of the slot and Gurley coming out of the backfield, you most of the time can't cover both of those guys with the safety or cornerback. So one of them is going to get a linebacker on them, at which point one of them is likely going to find a way to get free and get enough space for Jared Goff to hit him with the ball. So I think Cooper Cup is a big reason why, which is insane because I don't think Cooper Cup is – that great of a wide receiver but for fantasy he was obviously good and I think for that Rams offense he works perfectly for what they do and then again obviously once that once you start covering Cooper Cup and you're trying to worry about the run and Todd Gurley all of a sudden that opens up everything on the back end for Robert Woods and Brandon Cook so I think yes I honestly think as crazy as it seems that one player in Cooper Cup kind of affected the whole offense and they just were not able to adjust.
1: Well, if my dump-off guy averages 14.2 yards per reception, <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's something. I mean, Cup, I think Cup was a little bit more than a dump-off guy. Yeah, with Cup, I, there there's just a connection between the two of them. It's like Brady and Edelman. It, it's it's one of those things where they Cup knows where to go when Goff is getting pressured. He can get down. He can get open down the field. When, when that's happening, and that gives Goff uh, an opportunity. And for, for whatever reason, Cooks or Woods or uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, they just didn't quite step into that same role there. You know, they played the roles they had, but they never really got that same type of connection with Goff that, that Cup had. So, yeah, I asked the question because I thought that uh, with Cup out, that and Gurley injured you're absolutely right it was uh it limited their ability to adjust in game
0: yeah like I said I, I just think um I mean yeah you, you may be right he may have been more than a a dump off guy that's just a guy I, I consider I wouldn't say five yards away from the line of scrimmage but someone that he's going to go to every time he gets in trouble was kind of my meaning by it. Maybe I worded that wrong. But uh, that, that, that was my intention by, behind what I said. And I do think a lot of that comes down to what I was just talking about, though, with him. Uh, he's just and, – and not just him, but Sean McVay. Sean McVay is very smart about getting his guys lined up on players that he can um, – he can take Mm -hmm. advantage of that he can, he lines the players up so that he can get that advantage. And there were a lot of times that when Cooper cup was making those big plays down the field, he was on a linebacker. And I I would say everybody would say Mm -hmm. if you're, if there's a linebacker on Cooper cup, Cooper cup's going to win that matchup, whether it's straight down the field or running across the field, whatever that linebacker's not keeping up with Cooper cup. So I think that's exactly what, obviously we both agree, that's kind of what else killed this offense. And especially moving into the Super Bowl with uh, the defensive guys like Bill Belichick and Brian Flores calling a game, they they needed to find some way to do some stuff that was more innovative and, and be more creative, and they just couldn't get it done. Moving on to the free agents. So they don't have anybody offensively that they have to worry about losing. They've pretty much locked all of those guys up. Defensively, though, they have a couple big names here. Um, so they have, first off, about $23 million left in cap space, and they're going to be losing Ndamukong Sue LaMarcus Joyner, Dante Fowler, and then obviously C.J. Anderson is the one offensive guy, although he did kind of just obviously come in at the end of the year. I'd imagine they're not planning on re-signing him. If you had to re-sign one of those guys, or if, if you really want to re-sign multiple guys, who would it be out of that those defensive ones?
1: Well, I don't think you're going to be able to re-sign Sue because he thinks he should be paid like Aaron Donald or pretty close to it. Right. And I think he believes he can get it, which he may very well be. He's, what, he's 30, 31, 32. He's getting up there. Yeah. But he's still a really good interior lineman despite his uh, uh, proclivity for violence uh, outside the whistle. <laughs> um, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty strong defensive tackle. But at his price and given their cap situation, I, I don't think they'll be able to to bring him mm-hmm. back. Joyner is a really good safety, decent cover, good hitter. But he reminds me a little bit of Bob Sanders being only 5'8 and 195 or so, somewhere in that range, maybe 200. And so I get a little bit nervous when I have small safeties. I'm not a— you know, See? As much as I'm on team big wide receiver, I'm right. also on team bigger safety. That's what I was about. And I to like ask. my safeties to be at least six foot and two hundred five, two hundred ten, so that they can support in the box and they can take the beating of having to deliver big hits. And littler guys struggle with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they don't. Their bodies don't necessarily hold up. I think Anderson will be able to come back. At, they'll be able to bring Anderson and Fowler back at friendlier deals but I don't know that Anderson is sort of an enigma. He's he's he came in you know, last year was such a roller coaster for him. Uh, Carolina didn't didn't use him. Uh, he seemed like he would have been the perfect compliment to Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. and Carolina just didn't use him and they let him go. He went to Oakland and they didn't do anything with him. And then he went to the Rams and He's rushing for 150 yards a game. So he's still got some talent. There are plenty of teams out there that need a 1A back or a 1B back. And so if he's in a, he goes somewhere and he gets in a 50-50 split uh, or he's the 60-40 split that gets more of the inside carries and with somebody that gets more of the receiving, he's a quality back still. If I'm the Rams, I, I'd probably – Depending on how concerned I am with Gurley's injury, I'm probably looking to try and bring him back. Fowler was a bust in Jacksonville, but he played a role. He kind of reminds me of what happened with Bruce Irvin up in Seattle. Uh, He was drafted a little bit early, and uh, Pete Carroll used him in a specific role, and he didn't quite grow into it. And Fowler was the same way. I think they expected him to be better. Just didn't, he never took that, next step and i don't think he took it in in los angeles either but he's certainly a a quality pass rusher um and and will you know he's not i don't think he's ever going to put up 15 sacks but he's a guy that's going to put some pressure on the quarterback and and so of the of the ones that are going to be affordable are going to be fowler and anderson maybe sue decides to you know aaron donald gets in his ear and and convinces Mm -hmm. him to come back on a more team-friendly one-year deal to get under the cap, maybe a a two-year deal so they can spread the bonus out and take the hit next year and cut him. But I'd go Fowler and Anderson.
0: Yeah, um, I pretty much agree with you, obviously. I I would think that their priority is going to be to try and bring back Sue, but it just is all going to depend on if he's willing to take a more team-friendly deal, kind of like he did last year, obviously just a one-year deal. But if he's willing to take more of a team-friendly deal to stay with him and possibly, again, try to return and win a Super Bowl. LaMarcus Joyner, um, I would honestly try and, and sign all three of those guys if possible, obviously. There's probably not much chance with the cap room that they have, but you might be able to make it happen. Uh, but I would imagine if Sue obviously wants the big money deal, he's gone. So you're just going to focus on Joiner and Fowler, who I think both of them coming back is going to help that defense. With C.J. Anderson, my thing with Anderson, uh, I just don't know if they want him to come back and, and produce for Gurley. Um, or produce for Gurley. Uh Produce with girl that'll be interesting for me i know he said that he wanted to come back and they think it was really early on in the offseason they said they would be open to bringing him back um i just think i like john kelly i think that he is a, a more than capable back to be there not just a backup girlie, but to possibly split some time with him uh, so i would like to see john kelly get that role a lot of people are very high on him obviously coming out of the draft last year out of tennessee i believe it was um, so I'd like to see him get it, but if they bring Anderson back, I think that's really going to kill Kelly's value. For the NFL draft, so the Rams have five picks, and they're picking at pick 31, obviously, being the losers of the Super Bowl. Their main needs are edge rusher, cornerback, and linebacker right now. I would imagine that might change some, obviously, if they lose any of those three guys in Sue, Joyner, and Fowler. Um Maybe not. I mean, they do have some fairly decent safeties over there. So if they lose Joiner, that might not become a huge need for them as they might be able to plug in some of their younger guys. So with that five picks and obviously picking at 31, what would you attack there for the Rams in the draft? Obviously, they, they looks like they mostly need defensive players. Would you just pretty much attack defense the entire draft?
1: Well, you can never have too many good offensive linemen. And given the, their offensive line was healthy last year for the entire year, the law of averages says they're probably going to have some sort of injury this year. So if I'm them, I would, I would look and see what's available for O-line. They don't have a second round pick, but they have two compensatory picks at the end of the third round, pick 98 and 99. So this, this first rounder is going to have to really count. In a perfect world, uh, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson would be somebody that would fall to them at 31. He is well not quite the dynamic pass rusher that Sue is at 6'4" and 340, or actually I think he came in at like 336 at the combine when he weighed in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's going to give them that that presence up front in place of Sue and come at a rookie price. So if they can get him, then there's no need to bring Sue back. They can bring in Lawrence. Uh, another guy that might be available there is going to be Draymond Jones. Uh, but I don't, I'm not sure if I, if I buy Draymond as a first round pick uh, uh-huh. at, and that's coming from an Ohio state fan. Uh, right. um, but, but he also falls more in the um, Aaron Donald type uh, of body type. He's smaller. I think he weighed in at 287, 87. Um, so he's not as big. Uh, he's more of a, a, defensive tackle as opposed to a nose tackle. So I don't know if he necessarily is a scheme fit for them. Because he's not he's not going to replace Aaron Donald, that's for sure. As much as I love Draymond Jones. He's, right. he's just not quite that dynamic. So that brings brings us to opportunities on the offensive line. Um, you know, Dalton Risner might be there. You know, Andrew Whitworth isn't getting any younger and Risner so far has looked good at the combine in the drills. He's shown really good footwork, a little bit of a mean streak. So they're, they need to build depth, but without the uh, without the early picks and picking at the end of the first, yeah, the, their options are going to be limited. Potentially, someone like Chase Winovich could be there in the third. Uh, Marquise Copeland out of Cincinnati. Uh, those are some defensive ends. Anthony Nelson. You know, Winovich uh, looks like a pretty good pass rusher. He could be that guy to to play. You know, at 255 pounds he could be out there on the edge and uh, provide some pass rush uh, if they don't bring Fowler back.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I think for me, I would mostly attack defensive line. Um, I would try and hold off on offensive line. It, it's hard to say because I do think a lot of the, the high-end Top guys of the offensive line tier are gonna go somewhere in the first round. There's a lot of teams that need offensive line help as as you touched on earlier there's never there's never there's never you can never have too many good offensive linemen uh, so I do think a lot of those guys are gonna go early in the first round so for me, I would attack defense as much as possible in this in this draft possibly use some of that money to get one of those free agents. There's a couple guys out there um, that might be able to come in and plug a hole, although they might be sitting on the bench for a little bit, so they might not want to do that. We'll see. Maybe someone will be, I don't want to say like a ring chaser like they are in the NBA. We see those veterans go to go to teams that look like they're going to win a ring uh, so they can get at least one. Uh, but for me, it would be all defense. Uh, I like, the obviously, Dexter Lawrence and Draymond Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you on Draymond Jones. I'm not 100% sold on him. I like the way he stepped up. Um, especially when Nick Bosa went out, not a lot of people were talking about Jones up until that point just because of how dominant Nick Bosa was. But uh, being a Buckeyes fan, I can tell you Jerry Mount Jones was... Not as good as Nick Bosa, but he was making just as many plays in those games as Nick Bosa was. He just obviously wasn't getting the notice uh, until Bosa went out and all of a sudden Draymond Jones became the guy. Um, But I think either one of those guys could fit in very well with that defense. It'll be interesting to see which way they go. I could, in all honesty, see them trading back. I could see them moving back out of the first round, maybe picking up a couple picks as you were talking about. They lost some uh, due to the trades that they made. Maybe pick up a couple picks. That way, if they can attack multiple positions there. uh, I'm sure someone would be willing to trade up right there at the end of the first round it seems like that happens every year now you're getting at least four or five trades in the first round of the NFL draft
1: yeah that's always exciting to watch too
0: yeah yeah I'm uh I can't it's sad to say, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that more than I am anything else this year, mostly as a Browns fan because I know we don't have to worry about quarterback anymore. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how they attack this draft. But then just in general, there's a lot of very interesting storylines from my perspective fantasy-wise um, that I'm really interested to see where a lot of these players that are in the draft this year are going to go. So I'm interested to see how the draft plays out. Dynasty, risers, and fallers. Do you have any risers or fallers on this roster?
1: Well, I, I like uh, you know, Cooper Cup to return to form. Um, I, I think he is their wide receiver one, mm-hmm. um, in part because he just gets the most targets. Uh, but I could see if they don't bring back C.J. Anderson, I like John Kelly to play a bigger role than uh, the second back has played historically with Gurley there because they're going to start to try to limit the wear and tear on Gurley. And John Kelly was a very dynamic back at Tennessee and a good pass catcher. So I could see Kelly being one of those guys that gets 35% of the touches, 30% of the touches, and produces at an RB4 kind of flexworthy worthy uh, capacity on a fairly consistent basis.
0: Yep, and those are my two as well. Um, Again, I think Kelly is obviously going to be hinged on the fact if they bring C.J. Anderson back or not. If they don't bring him back, I think John Kelly has a chance to really step up and be that guy who splits time. Um, Again, not not splits 50-50, but uh, gets a lot of work there with Todd Gurley getting a little bit bit more rest than we've ever seen him get. And then obviously Cooper Cup – I, I don't know if you could techn- if we could call him a sleeper, but I'm right there with you. I think he's going to return to form next year and, and obviously be their most uh, dynamic threat just based on how well him and Jared Goff work together. Um, And with all that being said, that's why my father is Todd Gurley. I just don't think he's going to be that dominant force that he has been the past couple years. Um, Again, I know people may think when I say, hey, he's going to drop down to about the 5 at running back, might think, oh, well, that's not that bad. But if you really go back and look at Todd Gurley's numbers over the past couple years – He's been extremely dominant at the running back position. Someone that, if you drafted him 1-1 in your redraft leagues, I mean, even in your seasonal leagues or dynasty leagues, uh, even if your team was almost complete shit after that, you were likely going to make the playoffs in most fantasy leagues just based on how good Todd Gurley was. He was averaging 20-plus points most weeks. Throughout these past couple years, he was just a dominant force, by far the best fantasy player the past couple of years. He won people championships a couple of years ago when he went on that amazing run in the playoffs where I think he was putting up almost 30 or 40 points a week in those those uh, championship games and playoffs for fantasy. So that's why I have him as a faller Again, I understand he's not going to drop to an RB2 or RB3, guys. Don't freak out, but uh, the dropping down of even four or five slots in the RB position is a big drop for him based on the value that he used to bring back.
1: So I have a question for you. Okay. is Are the Los Angeles Rams' tight ends ever going to be a thing? I don't think so,
0: unless they draft no. somebody this year. I mean, real quick, I'll just say I like Gerald Everett a lot. I think that he's a very good tight end. He just doesn't seem to get used in their offense.
1: Well, and Higby's the same way. Higby is a good tight end. Mm-hmm. They, they both have really good – they're both – really good pass catchers. Higby is the better blocker of the two, I think. Uh, Everett was second athletically to Evan Ingram, yeah. and, you know, they, they'll they each make a play here and there, and it just is frustrating because they look like the, – they both look like they have the talent to be, you know, top ten tight ends, but they just don't seem to get any use.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I would say um... – In all honesty, their offense it reminds me a lot of what Bruce Arians used to run in Arizona. I just think that he uses his wide receivers and running backs uh, to make the plays, and he usually keeps the tight ends in the block. And I feel like that's exactly what Sean McVay does. I mean, I just don't see them being a huge part of the offense. I wish he would incorporate them in the offense because I think you would – if you were to choose either one of them just to do something in the offense, they would immediately become huge fantasy relevant players at the tight end position because of how piss poor it is. But I just don't see it happening. I think he's going to everything he schemes up is going to be to his running backs and wide receivers, which then requires the tight ends to just kind of stay in and block.
2: That's too bad.
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
2: Hey, what's going on everybody? This is 8 bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated. But most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time, marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com, and we hope to hear from you soon.
0: So the Seattle Seahawks, we saw them finish second in the division at 10-6. and six. Russell Wilson having himself another great year after starting off fairly slow injuries and just in all honesty, it felt like this whole team just kind of had a weird vibe around it all season long. Now i have not really paid that close attention to the Seattle Seahawks, but just the maneuvering in the backfield where they were having what seemed like four or five running backs sometimes running the ball, or trying to figure out who's going to be the guy there. We saw Doug Baldwin just struggle with injuries all season long. We saw a rookie and David Moore—well, not a rookie, a second-year player in David Moore step up and have a very good season for them. It was a very weird season, but all-in-all all, a successful season for them. They were, like I said, able to get into the playoffs. They got bounced out of the first round by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, mostly, I think, because their kicker, Sebastian Janikowski, got hurt.
1: With, yeah, that was a tough blow.
0: Yeah, I, I think really, if and I know Cowboys fans probably don't want to hear this, but I think if Sebastian Janikowski is healthy, they probably win that game because they don't have to go for two points and everything on those tries. I think they have a better chance to win it. But the obvious big question here. For in my opinion, and I know you'll like this question because you are a huge fan of this player and a and a truth or believer of him. Will Rashad Penny finally take the reins in twenty
1: twenty? Well, I've been going out and getting Rashad Penny all off season. Um so I think yes, which pains me a little bit because I was uh, coming out of college, I was a Chris Carson guy. Mm-hmm. And I still think Chris Carson is a really good back, but he is just nowhere near as dynamic as penny now penny needs to learn to i think uh take what's given sometimes he has a tendency to uh try to turn around and run around the the defense and and so i think that's going to lead to him uh having some negative uh, more negative yardage plays but penny is solid in in running and catching the ball and his blocking is getting better and if penny can handle the blocking i think he's going to get into the game uh, a lot more so if if you look at neck if you look at 2019 football season at the end of the season i think it's going to look like carson and penny had a pretty even split but if you look at a it game wise it's going to be one player is going to be ascending while one is descending so Carson, I think, is going to start the year. He's going to be getting the most touches, and it's going to be 65-35. But by the end of the season, it will have switched, and Penny's going to be the one getting the most touches if they, if they stay healthy. Um, I think Penny will get a few more passing looks. Uh, but Rashad Penny is is a dynamic player, and he can catch the ball really, really, really good. And sometimes when I watch some of the plays he made last year, I was like, man, you just, that's crazy. He, he's like, he's what, six foot and 220 pounds. And he, he gets out there and uh, he, he reverses field and runs around people. So I, I want to see Penny uh, take the reins. I'd love to see Carson get moved somewhere where he can be the lead back. Uh, but, you know, Pete Carroll is going to keep 74 running backs on his squad. It it wouldn't surprise me a bit if, you know, McKissick leads the team in rushing next year out of nowhere. So they're going to, they're going to lead the league in rushing. Um, you know, they were last in pass attempts last year and, and near the top in, in rush attempts. So running the ball is their game. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, they get down to the goal line somewhere and they pass the ball, yeah, have a have a little flashback to the Super Bowl,
0: yeah, I'm right there with you with um oh no, I'm actually against you I don't know what I'm talking about I, I don't think that Rashad Penny is going to become the guy here this next season uh. I think it's still going to continue to be more of a split between him and Chris Carson like we saw this year. I do think he'll get a little bit more go. He did look very good and explosive at times last season uh, for sure. There was times I think you would you would agree with me at the beginning of the year, he, it almost seemed like he was lost out there. And that may have been just the fact that San Diego State did not run – nearly uh, anything compared to a pro-style offense that he would have seen when he went to Seattle. Uh, But definitely throughout the year, I have to give him his props. He looked better. He started coming on. There was actually a point in time at the end of the season I was picking him up in in redraft leagues because I was like, man, he looks like he might actually take the reins away from Chris Carson. Um, But I just think Chris Carson just continues to prove he's He's a lot better than everybody gives him credit for, and I don't know if maybe Penning doesn't become the lead in the backfield and maybe he's getting the 70-30 split or 80-20 split uh, that I keep talking about here, but I think Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are going to continue to share that backfield based on what you just said. They're the run-heaviest team in the NFL, and they're going to continue to be the run-heaviest team in the NFL. So I don't think Penny's going to get every carry. And I do want to apologize. I asked if he was going to take the reins in 2020. I meant 2019 because we're about to jump into the 2019 season, not the 2020 season. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't, I need to see it from him before I'll believe it. I'm not one of those people who I was very high on him coming out. Uh, I did think that he had the talent. uh, But once he got here and just seeing the way that he played at times, I'm just not sure he's fit to be in every down back and I know I'm, I'm not I'm in the minority on that point because I know there's a, very, a lot of people who believe in Rashad Penny I'm just not one of them for the wide receiver position we had a, a very interesting dynamic here with the fact that Doug Baldwin again suffered injuries throughout most of the season last year he was dealing with those knee injuries that looked like they pretty much hindered him all season long and we saw Tyler Lockett step up he was awesome with Russell Wilson. I believe they had, he did not have an incomplete. Russell Wilson did not have an incomplete pass when going to Tyler Lockett that that's how good they were together deep. I know he dropped I think it was like three or four balls. those were all short. Anything over like 15 yards he did not drop a ball. They were awesome together deep. Tyler Lockett just burst onto the scene, much like another wide receiver in the AFC North did this year that nobody was expecting. in Tyler Boyd, do you think that this is that after this season, what we just saw? There's a changing in the guard between Baldwin and Tyler Lockett.
1: My initial reaction was yes, but you know, I just they just announced that Baldwin underwent a couple surgeries after the season mm-hmm. to correct a couple of the things that were nagging him all off season. Um, At 30 years old, uh, I think Baldwin is probably starting on the downslope. But when you look closely, it was uh, Baldwin still out-targeted Lockett last year, 73 to 70. Now, Lockett was a little more efficient. He caught 57 passes to Baldwin's 50. Lockett was more of a downfield guy. and had he doubled him up in touchdown so lockett was almost 17 yards per reception to baldwin's 12 the challenge in Seattle is gonna be Will they produce enough volume uh, Baldwin still led the team in targets but he only had 73 targets uh, he missed three three full games and I feel like he he was uh, pretty underused in some others because of the injuries I just think that the eye test says yes that Lockett is going to become the number one receiver next year, and so if I if I was going to go out and get one of those guys, I'm going to go out and get Lockett. But the the hard truth is is that even at as the number one, I, I don't know that Lockett is going to surpass 100 targets.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I don't want to say he's more of a, just a deep. Down the field threat, but I think that's kind of where his, his game shines. I think that's what everybody drafted him for in the rookie draft a couple years ago because that's what they expected out of him. Um, I don't. It's hard for me to say, though, that he might not just based on Baldwin's age. He's getting up there just a little bit, and I understand wide receivers get to play longer than everybody else, and I do like the fact that he actually got this. He was able to get the surgery, so maybe he'll be able to bounce back and come into the season fresh, healthy, ready to go. But he is 31, 30. He'll turn 31 this season. So he's getting up there in age a little bit. Tyler Lockett a little bit more explosive. uh, Looks a little bit better. He, although, does have some injury history as well. So we'll see what happens with both those guys. Um, But if I had to pick one or the others being the number one guy, I'm still sticking with Doug Baldwin right now because we've seen he has that great connection with Russell Wilson. Um, I think as long as he's able to stay out out there on the field, he's going to get targeted more often than Tyler Lockett. But I think Tyler Lockett's going to be the more explosive player this season. Seattle Seahawks, and they're free agents this year, so they have about $50 million in cap space, and they're, again, much like the uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and they're not really losing a lot of offensive players, which is kind of what we key on for fantasy. Obviously, IDP leagues, you're going to pay attention to the defense as well. Um, most of these guys that I, I think I'm going to talk about defensively, though, are not big IDP players, and Earl Thomas and K.J. KJ Wright is. Um, and I would imagine K.J. Wright is likely going to come back. I believe they already kind of came out and talked about how they want to do everything they can to bring him back. Earl Thomas, though, is likely gone. For the offensive side, you've got Mike Davis, J.D. McKissick, and David Moore. David Moore was the guy who burst on in the scene this year and really stepped up into the shoe, in filled Doug Baldwin's shoes while he was dealing with the injuries and kind of struggling all season long. Just second-year player here. Do you want to bring any of those guys back? I mean, again, I know Mike Davis and J.D. McKissick were part of that duo, or not duo, the four-headed monster in the backfield we were just talking about. Um, I can't imagine they would bring either one of those guys back. Maybe McKissick, um, just based on what he can do in the receiving game and the rushing game, although I've Still hold hold out a little bit of hope that CJ prosize might actually turn it around someday, uh, but that's probably never going to happen. Uh, Mike Davis, I would think you could easily let go and that not be a big issue. But David Moore, I think is the one guy for me. I would definitely try and resign because he really looked like he can be a good complement to Lockett and Baldwin with what he did this past season. What are your thoughts on their free agents? Would you try and bring any of these guys back? All these guys back. Your thought, thoughts? Thoughts?
1: Uh? I. You know, Davis, I think, is just a guy. He's bounced around the league a little bit. He was in San Francisco. And and when he gets an opportunity in short spurts, he looks pretty decent. But I don't think he necessarily can sustain it. Uh, but I think he's going to look for an opportunity to get more playing time. So I don't think he's going to come back. I could see him bringing McKissick, McKissick back in part as an insurance policy for C.J. Proceis. You know, Proceis is their quote-unquote passing back, but he is so fragile, it seems, that they need somebody there. Now, if Penny comes on and and Penny plays in the passing game like uh, he looks, then it doesn't matter whether they bring McKissick back or Proceis stays healthy. Um, It's going to be the Carson and Penny show. But I I could see them, you know, McKissick is going to be cheap he's only 25 davis i guess is going to be cheap as well and he's only 25 so that they're neither one i think davis will command more money on the open market than mckissick will but i don't know that uh they have the wherewithal to bring both of them back Mm -hmm. there they they've already said they're letting earl go that bridge has been burned so they're not bringing back earl thomas um K.J. Wright is still one of the best linebackers, and so they'll they'll bring him back um, one way or another, I think, unless he just gets blown away by some offer. I don't think he's exclusive rights, and uh, I don't know that they'll franchise or transition tag him so that they, they can control him a little bit more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's sort of where I stand with those free agents there.
0: I got you. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I'm lockstep with you. I would like to. I'd like them to just kind of focus on David Moore and KJ Wright. I mean, obviously, like we said, we, we know Earl Thomas is gone. Uh, things did not end well for him. Really, that entire off season and and into the season uh, did not end did not go well, and then end well for him and the Seahawks. For the 2019 NFL Draft, they have four picks. They have no second round, sixth round, or seventh round pick in this draft, and they're picking at 21. Their biggest needs are safety, edge rusher, and cornerback. Much like the Los Angeles Rams, they need to go defensive heavy. And that's exactly what I would do. I would not touch an offensive player. Well, I would possibly go offensive line because I still don't think their offensive line is that good. After offensive line, I would not touch an offensive player this entire draft. I don't care if Hakeem Butler falls to the sixth round. Do not touch him. Go all defense. This team needs to improve their defense. Their offense is decent right now. Actually fairly good in my opinion. They've got good wide receivers. Obviously, again, Want to be a run-heavy team. They've got two good running backs back there, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. Pound the rock, play good defense. That's how the Seattle Seahawks have shown and won a Super Bowl. I think that's exactly how they want to play. So I would go all defense, or at least as much defense as possible with only having four picks in the draft. Your thoughts on their draft strategy.
1: Yeah, as much as I would like, uh, from a Seahawks perspective, them to go offensive line, uh, I don't think there's really going to be anybody at 21 that's not a uh, reach. Uh-huh. Uh, Greg Little might fall to them, but he, his footwork is so bad. He looks so bad uh, performing drills that I don't think he's going to uh, – I think he's going to probably drop out of the first round. An interesting pick for them would be uh, – uh, I hope I don't butcher this name. Uh, Jachai Polite. <laughs> yeah, Polite, right. yeah, Polite. Yeah, Jachai Polite. Yeah, Jachai Polite. Yeah. No, he's a dynamic edge rusher, 6'2, 245 ish. Um, that would be a really interesting pick. Uh, Deontay Thompson of Alabama, the safety, would will likely be there at 21. So going either one of those directions would help bol- bolster that defense.
0: Yeah, I, I like I said, I agree with you on the offensive line there. Uh, I, I don't see anybody falling. In all honesty, even if Greg Little falls there, I'm right there with you. I don't even know if I'd take him right there just based on how bad he's looked. Um, I feel like that would just, in all honesty, not really improve that offensive line that's already struggling. You're just throwing in another player that's going to struggle to play offensive line. Uh, so I I'm, I think obviously we're both right there lock and step and going all defense and just trying to improve this defensive staff. On the for this team's dynasty risers and fallers do you have any risers or fallers on the roster
1: well clearly my riser is Rashad penny right <laughs> uh, I, I think he's gonna be you know I could, I could see honestly I I could see penny and uh, Carson both breaking a thousand yards from scrimmage uh, I could potentially see both of them rushing for 1,000 yards
2: okay. given
1: how run-heavy the Seattle offense is. 1,200 yards apiece uh, combined rushing and receiving, 1,200 yards from scrimmage for each of them, I don't think is out of the question. Carson was pretty close uh, he, last year as the lead back, so Penny would be my riser. And and Lockett, I think, I, I believe there's going to be a changing of the guard. Uh, I've got... Uh, In the hopper, I'm working on an article for Dynasty Nerds about the the changing of the guard there. So that'll probably be out in a couple weeks. I got to sit down and I've got a couple combine articles I'm writing first. So then I was going to do a changing of the guard article. Um, But Penny and Lockett, you know, the hard thing is Russell is such a he he can be such a good quarterback, but when they go so run heavy, uh, it really limits him you know it's it felt like he came on last season and was was doing great but their passing offense uh was dead last i think in attempts in the NFL last year let me get that sorted right so they passed uh oh no wasn't last what was i looking at anyways yeah they didn't they didn't throw the ball as much as uh It felt like because they do run the ball so well.
0: Gotcha. So for me, my dynasty riser is going to be – uh, Rashad Penny as well. Uh, I was kind of torn on this one. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with Lockett. I was going to go with Rashad Penny, but since you just kind of touched on different stuff with him, I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett is going to shoot up the boards, and I actually think David Moore could be very fantasy relevant next year as well. Again, obviously based on the fact if they re-sign him. They have to re-sign him for him to shoot up. Uh, but I think that both of those guys could be very good for, for Russell Wilson and this passing offense moving forward. My dynasty fallers on here are – are Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, and Doug Baldwin. I think Baldwin, uh, again, just getting up there in age, dealing with, uh, I think it was, I don't remember exactly what his injury was, but he had it in both knees, and that's just not good. I mean, I'm not that old, and I have knee issues. Uh, Again, I'm not uh, an elite physical athlete, uh, player either. I, I've obviously never played in the NFL, and I'm not as near the athletic specimen that Doug Baldwin is, I'm sure. Uh, but having any issues at the age that he is of 30, going to be 31 this season is not good. I think he's going to start taking a little bit of a step back. And then Penny Carson, I just think they're both going to kind of uh, cannibalize each other in this backfield a little bit. They're both Now, obviously, if they both become 1,000-yard rushers like you were just talking about, then I'm going to be 100% wrong on this one. Uh, but I just think both these guys are going to produce enough to help kind of keep... The other player off the field enough uh, that neither one of them is going to really produce to an RB1. I think both are probably going to be low-end RB2s going into next season. Do you have any fallers on this roster?
1: Well, I think, you know, Baldwin is is clearly going to be the one that uh, drops. You know, Seattle was dead last in passing attempts at 427 attempts and second in rushing attempts at 534. So I could easily you know that's 250 carries, for each guy if they if they go with you know the two main guys, on the rushing attempts. So to rule out the two of them, each getting a thousand yards, you know, I feel like that they they rushed for 2,560 yards last year, averaged 4.8 yards a carry. I think it's pretty reasonable that that's a pretty reasonable expectation that they're both going to be around a thousand yards. If one of them completely takes over that backfield, I could see them leading the league in rushing, mm-hmm. which would be a, totally far out. Um, but, you know, Baldwin is going to drop off. Uh, I agree. His, you know, his the injuries are just piling up, and he's not a big guy. He's only 5'10, 190, or something like that. And while he has some great playmaking ability, um, They just don't have the volume to really support two top-end receivers, and Lockett is dynamic, and he's the downfield guy. And so Seattle's offense is, you know, pound, 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 deep shot, pound, 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 deep shot. And with that being said, more of the deep shots go to Lockett.
0: Yeah, and that's why i kind of I kind of like him to take a big step as we we've already talked about just based on on him being the deep play receiver, and he obviously did a very good job with that last year, so that's kind of why I've got him as my my riser. I think that he'll actually be able to to use that um especially with the explosive as he is if Penny and Carson are able to kind of take over and do as good as you you say they're gonna do or you think that they could possibly do being the leading their league and rushing with the uh, both a thousand each or whatever. Um, But both of them, if they're both able to be that successful, I think that's going to help Tyler Lockett in the long game, which is why he was my riser. All right, guys. So that is going to do it for the first half of the NFC West uh, episode. Here, we're going to cut this one off at uh, right about an hour. So, Dennis, talk about. I know you're just talking about an article actually that you were writing. Tell everybody where you can find, where they can find you on Twitter. My God, I'm, I'm butchering this, you guys. Where they can find you on Twitter, and then where they can find your articles before we go ahead and do the rest of the NFC West in the next episode.
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at culture underscore coach. Uh, I spend a a fair amount of time conversing. DM me if you have any questions. I'm happy to share my opinions. Uh, I'm not always right, but I always have an opinion. Uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com, so you can find my writings there. And also, uh, I have a catalog of writing from the past year over on uh, the Fantasy Life app blog.
0: All right. Well, then, again, Dennis, thank you so much for joining me to talk about the two top teams in the NFC West, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and make sure to check back for the talk on the bottom two teams, the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals, in the next episode of the NFC West, guys. Have a great weekend. Prepare for glory!
2: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your on, ready? I came like, out the one wide for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honored if you played football for this team it up above his head they can't jump with me golly oh they tackle him in the corner who can make a break i can who can make a break I can. <laughs> I can.
1: Oh.